Well, I want to say good morning. Uh, first time that we as a church are doing this. Good morning to those of you in here, and good morning to all of you who are at home. And um, it was kind of neat. We were talking ahead of time that we looked. There were 21 of you that were online waiting for it to go live at 11. And um, yeah, great to have you. There'll be a few more joining as we go. But um, a little bit different doing church this way. Um, I wish all of us were able to be in here. All of you 60 and over, I wish you were all able to be a part of it. I wish it was more than 15, uh, but we're down to 15, and so we will do church the way that we're allowed to do church. And um, just want to say welcome. All right, before we get going, um, you might be able to do this at home, but we do it every Sunday. Want to do it because we believe that there is power in the spoken word. If you would grab your Bible, And just hold it up in the air at home, wherever you might be. And let's say it together. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. would like you to turn with me to the book of John. Chapter 8, I want to read one verse before we get going today. John chapter 8, and I think many of us know this off by heart. Verse 32, and Jesus said this, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Verse 12, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He said, if you hold to my teaching, you are truly my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Father, I want to thank you again that you qualified us to be filled with your spirit when on the cross of Calvary you paid the price for our sin, you removed it, you made us holy, and because of that Holy Spirit, you were able to dwell inside. I ask today, Holy Spirit, that you would open up our hearts, you would open up our minds. I pray today that you would teach, you would give revelation, you would give understanding in a way that only you can. Before we begin, I ask for a fresh anointing. Holy Spirit, would you take literal possession of me, my mind, my mouth, would you flow through me? I only want to say what I hear you say and do what I see you do. And with the authority you have given in the name of Jesus, I speak into every home, I speak over every person. I command every demonic bird that would seek to snatch this seed, to distract, I command you now to release every person, be outside every home, be outside of these walls in Jesus' name. I declare that the word that is going to go forth will not return void, but will accomplish the purpose for which it is sent. And Father, I thank you again that as I am speaking I thank you that you will be speaking into the lives, the hearts, and minds of those listening words that I'm not even going to say. I ask that you would open up every hear, that every person would hear what it is you are speaking directly to them. They would capture it and be changed by it. We believe that one word from you can change everything. And so, Father, by faith, we say thank you for this time in your word. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody in agreement said, amen. I want, to, uh, I want to tell you this morning 
we have talked before about the fact that God has not called us to be a really seeker-sensitive church. Uh, a two-and-a-half-hour service just eliminates that directly. What God has called us to do is to be a church that equips, a church that trains, a church that brings people to a place of maturity. And I want to tell you today that what I'm going to share with you, uh, I believe, is for the body of Christ. If a non-believer was to hear this today, they would react, there would be question, there would be a lot of, I believe, negative, but this message is for the body of Christ today. And I want you to be aware of that as we go through it, because what I have to share with you, I believe is for those who are filled with the Holy Spirit and already have revelation, but need to have it more. And so, just want to say that before we begin. I want to share with you one account that I've told you some time before, but I'll never forget this at a Believer's Conference. Keith Moore, when he was talking, he talked about a time when he was speaking at a, or teaching at a Kenneth Hagin Healing Ministry School. And they got together. It was going to be a two-day seminar. It began at 9 o'clock in the morning. He was going to be the main speaker. He got up to the podium at 9 o'clock. He opened in prayer. And right before he was going to begin talking about healing, all of a sudden he was hit with flu symptoms, and he vomited all over his notes and all over the podium and all over the floor. Quickly, people got up from the school. They came and they, they cleaned him off and they cleaned off his notes and they took him into the back and somebody got him a new shirt. They changed the shirt and tie and, and he was getting a few minutes to gain himself and composure again. The people went out and he got hit with a sense of absolute failure. He's going, how can I teach on healing when here I am throwing up in front of everybody, having the flu? He goes, I've totally disqualified what I'm going to teach. And while he was back there wrestling with the fiery darts of the enemy coming down on him, the Holy Spirit said to him, does your experience nullify the truth of my word? That single word set Keith Moore free. He went back out, he shared it, and he said, my experience does not remove the truth of what I'm going to teach you. He goes, my experience needs to come in line with the truth of the word, not the truth come in line with my experience. And he said that was one of the most powerful healing schools that he ever taught at. I want to tell you this morning that what I'm going to share with you, my experience is going to be limited in this, but it's not my experience that determines what I'm going to share with you. It's the truth of the word that determines what we need to believe. I, uh, I want to share what the Holy Spirit has been laying on my heart for a little bit of time now, especially in the midst of all that's been going on. And I want us to look at one passage that the Spirit of God has been speaking to me. Would you turn to the book of Numbers, chapter 21? The book of Numbers, 21. I want us to look at an account in the life of Israel in their journey from Egypt to the Promised Land. And I want to say this, that the journey from Egypt to the Promised Land should have been an 11-day journey. God's will was 11 days for them to travel from Mount Sinai to the Promised Land, go in and occupy it. That was God's will. But because of a decision that 
People made listening to a negative report. We know the story. Ten spies came back, gave a negative report. They believed it instead of the two who gave a good report. We know what happened for the next 40 years. They wandered in the wilderness. And it was a brand new generation that came into the promised land. It's during that wilderness 40-year period that this account is written down, beginning at verse 4 of Numbers chapter 21. And I want to read through it, and then we'll go back. It says this. They traveled from Mount Hor along the the, the the route of Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses, and they said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread... There is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake, put it up on a pole, Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and he put it up on a pole. And when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. I want you to notice a couple things. We're talking about this event that took place after an incredibly positive God event in the life of Israel. In verse 1 and 3 of this, and we won't, have it, we won't go and look at it, but a Canaanite king heard that Israel was coming and he attacked the Israelites and he captured some of them. In verse 2, it says, Israel made a vow to the Lord, if you will deliver these people into our hands, we will totally destroy their cities. And the Lord listened, gave the Canaanites over to them. They compete, completely destroyed them and all of their towns. A great victory. Great answer to prayer, great display of God's goodness, great evidence that God was with them. And they began traveling. And right after this amazing victory they had over the enemy, the Bible records the people got impatient, the people began to complain. The people came against God and against Moses. What did they say? Why have you brought us up out of Egypt in order to die in the desert? We got no bread. We got no water. We detest this miserable food. What food were they talking about? Manna. Day after day, manna. Can I just say, when they said there was no water, one chapter earlier, do you remember Moses struck the rock and water came pouring out and they all had fresh water? Do you remember going back to chapter 11, they complained about not having meat, and so all of a sudden quail came in the camp, and the camp was full of meat. So when they go, we have no bread, we have no water, we have all this miserable food, how quickly they forgot. I want you to look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many died. I want you to understand something. God's will, all down through time, was that his people would be healthy. God's will is that his people would be healthy. How do we know that? In Psalm 105, verse 37, 
He brought them out of Israel. And I just want to say, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, yeah, they came out of Egypt. When he brought them out of, out of Egypt, there was about 7 million Jewish people who left Egypt. Contrary to the movie that shows maybe 100 or 200,000, we're talking 5 to 7 million people. It says this, from among their tribes, none faltered, none was sick, none was weak, none was infirmed, not one had any curse issue in their body. Five to seven million people walked out absolutely healthy. Can I tell you this? It was God's will in the Garden of Eden for Adam and Eve to be healthy. It was God's will in the Old Testament for his people to be healthy. God's will in the New Testament for his people to be healthy. God's will in our day for people to be healthy. And just because people get sick, can I say, just because Christians get sick, does not mean that it's God's will. In Numbers chapter 21, verse 5, it said, The people sinned. They complained. And in the spiritual realm, I want you to hear, they opened up a spiritual door. They opened a door. I want you to hear this clearly. Am I saying that people get sick because they sinned? Yes. And I will explain that a little bit later. Let me tell you where there is no sin, there is no sickness. We will talk about that in a bit. But I want you to understand, as a result of sin, sickness and disease entered the world. And as a result of the Israelites complaining and their sin, they opened a door, and it says the Lord sent snakes. Can I just clarify one thing for a moment? If I was to ask you a question and say, was it the Lord who sent snakes in order to bite the Israelites and them to die, how would you answer? There are those who would say in the Old Testament that God sent judgments, God sent snakes, God sent plagues, and those plagues, they affected people and they died. There are those who say that and believe that. There are those who also say that God's character, the same yesterday and today and forever, is not the kind to steal, kill, and destroy. But when people sinned and they opened a door, that door opens and the enemy will do what the enemy does. You got to remember when the enemy came at Job, the enemy could only go so far, even though he had legal right, he could only go so far because God did not send what happened to Job but God limited what happened to Job. So I just want to say to you, whether God sent the snakes or whether the enemy sent the snakes because of the people's sin, we know what happened. They bit the people. I want to ask you to think about something. Did the snakes bite all the people? Did every person in the Israelite camp get bitten by a snake? Or did they simply bite the people who opened the door by complaining? I want to tell you in the spiritual realm, 
The curse needs a legal right. The Bible tells us that they did not bite all of the people. Can I give you just one qualifier? Is it recorded anywhere that Moses got bit by a snake? He did not. And Moses was not the only one. The snakes could not bite those who had not opened a legal door. They could not bite when the door was not open. When it says they bit the people, they bit the ones that they legally had a right to bite. And as a result of that, the Bible says that many died, not all, but many died. And I want you to notice the people's response. After people began dying of the snake bite, verse 7, they came to Moses and they said, Moses, we have sinned. These are the ones who got bit. They acknowledge we have sinned. We opened a door. I want you to see those who did not get bit, they didn't come to Moses. It was the ones who got bit came to Moses, said, we sinned, we opened a door. Would you pray that the Lord will take the snakes away? And what does the Bible say? Moses prayed. I want to ask you a question. Did God answer that prayer? They came to Moses and said, Moses, would you pray to God that God takes the snakes away, takes them out of the camp? There is no more snakes. Moses went to God and prayed, did God answer the prayer and take the snakes out of the camp? I want to tell you what the Bible says. God did not answer the prayer and take the snakes away. Why? Because the snakes had a legal right to be in the camp. So God did not answer the prayers that people wanted to pray, God, take the snakes away. God, take corona away. It might be that the prayer is not that God takes corona away. It might be that God answers the prayer differently than what they asked him to pray. I want to tell you this. If the snakes had a legal right to be there and to continue to bite those with an open door, God would not, God could not take them away. Instead, what did God tell Moses? We know the story. We grew up with it. We see it every time we see a medical symbol that happens. He said, make a snake, put it on a pole. Anyone who's bitten can look at it and live. So what did Moses do? He made a snake out of bronze, hung it up on a pole. And then when anyone was bitten by the pole and looked at the pole, he lived. Before we go back, I want you to see a few things. First of all, when Moses went to the Lord and asked God to remove the snakes on behalf of the people, God told Moses to do two things. Number one was this, make a snake, put it on a pole, and number two, tell the people if they get bit, they are to look at the pole and they will live. I want you to hear what God did not tell Moses to tell the people. God did not tell Moses 
tell the people to go out and kill the snakes. He did not say that. God did not tell Moses to tell the people, pray for the ones that got bit. God did not tell the people, tell them, the ones who didn't get bit, tell them to confess the sin of the ones who did get bit as though they got bit, and as a result of confessing someone else's sin, they would be healed. Did God tell them to do that? And I want you to hear this. God did not tell Moses to tell the people that when you get bit, you have to look at the pole. No. What he was called to do was two things. He was called to be obedient in two areas. Number one, put a snake on a pole. And number two, tell the people, anyone who gets bit, if you get bit, you can look at the pole. And if you choose to look at the pole, you will be healed. But you don't have to. You can. And if you choose to, you will be healed. But if you don't look, you don't have to. You can choose to die. I want to break this down for you while I make a cross over here. First of all, there were those who did not get bit. Moses was one of them. Out of the seven million, many did not complain. They did not open a door. They did not get bit, even though the snakes were in the camp. The snakes were in the camp. They did not get bit, even though the snakes were in the camp. Secondly, There were those who got bit, and they died. The Bible says there were people who got bit, they died before they went to Moses, before they confessed their sin, before they asked Moses to pray. It says, many died. That's what it says. How many? Don't know. But it says there were many who died. Thirdly, there were those who were bit. They listened to Moses. They believed what he said. They believed what God said. And when they got bit, they looked to the pole. And as a result of looking, what happened? They were healed. The snake bite didn't kill them. But I want you to look at number four. There were those who heard what Moses said. They heard what God said. They heard the opportunity to get healed. They were bitten by the snake, but they did not look at the pole. And as a result, they died, even though they didn't have to. Can I tell you this? Just because you can look at the pole and live doesn't mean people will look at the pole and live. I don't know why. 
But it was true then, and it's true today. Let's make the crossover. We are dealing with today in our world something that we, in our generation, have never encountered before. I'm not talking about a virus, because the world has seen and experienced that before. All kinds of talk about the swine flu, the black plague, the Hong Kong flu, SARS. We could go down the list. The world has seen it. The world's going to see more. Our generation hasn't. This is very new. Most of us have never been in lockdown. We've never had the pandemic thing. This is brand new for us. But I want to tell you what we're dealing with today are two demonic strongholds, lies that have opened doors to a spirit of fear that maybe our generation has never seen before. Number one is this. Somehow it's gotten out there. There is a belief that if you are exposed to the coronavirus, that you're going to get it. Can I tell you that's a lie from the pit of hell? We'll talk about it in a moment. Exposure does not mean contracting. The second lie is this, that if you get the coronavirus, you're going to die. Those two beliefs have made people paranoid. They have made people isolate. They have made people break relationship. They have caused people to be filled with fear. It has caused pandemonium, panic, paranoia. Our city is reflective. The world is reflective of those two beliefs. I want to share with you a few things that God laid in my heart concerning all of this, just to make it clear. And again, I want to make it clear that I'm talking to believers. I'm talking to people whose minds have been opened by the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about people who have revelation of truth already and moving into more truth. The, the first one is this. Two weeks ago, those of you who are here, I shared this really clearly. And can I just say, God did not send this snake into the world. It is being propagated out there. I shared with you two weeks ago over air uh, a popular, well-known speaker, TV evangelist, who is spreading the message that God has sent this for the purpose of waking people up, a big revival, shaking up the church. Can I just say to you, God did not send this. And I'll simply ask you a question. Is sickness and death part of the curse? We know it is. So either Jesus became a curse on the cross of Calvary, or he didn't. Either he took all of God's judgment and wrath on the cross, or he didn't. And can I ask you, for those of us who know, it's a no-brainer, but I'll ask you, is it God's character to steal, to kill, and to destroy? Is that part of God's character? I want to tell you what you already know. Uh, God often gets confused with the enemy. Have you ever heard it that God killed that baby because he needed another angel in heaven. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard that God gave that person cancer in order to teach them something? Confused with the enemy. 
How many times have we heard God caused that person to have the heart attack in order to slow them down? He got confused with the enemy. And now we're hearing God released a virus on the earth and opened up a door for the world to be filled with a spirit of fear? That that was God? Can I just say to you, God did not do this. Jesus made a statement in John 14. He said, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, let me just say in Acts 10, it says, God anointed Jesus Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went about doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil because God was with him. That's what it said about Jesus. Anointed, full of power, and healing people who are sick because of the devil. Let me give you 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to do the works of the devil? No. The reason he appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. If that is true about Jesus, that is true about the Father. And so I just want to make it incredibly clear for whoever might hear this, this was not a move of God. God did not send the snake of coronavirus into the world in order to bite people and still kill and destroy. Don't confuse God with the enemy. And I just want to say to you, we are ambassadors in this world. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people this week. How many of you have shared conversations when the false stuff rises up? What an amazing opportunity as an ambassador to speak the truth where all of the lie is being spoken and let the Holy Spirit take it and change lives, change minds, change what people are believing to be true. I got to tell you, and you've heard me say it before. In the last number of years, I am asking God to release a spirit of doubt in this world like never before. Causing people to doubt what they are believing to be true. That's not true. They need to come to a place where they doubt it in order to be open for a new truth. Does it seem wrong to pray for a spirit of doubt? No. There has to be a crack to open the door. So let me just say straight, God did not send the snake of Corona. Yeah, Hosea 11. I am the Holy One who lives among you, and I did not come to destroy. That was true in the old and true in the new. Would you write down the second, and it's this. Not everyone will get bit. Not everyone will get bit by the coronavirus. I want to ask you a question that the Holy Spirit asked me some time ago. And it was a question that caused me to begin to wrestle and search, but it's a question that actually changed my belief, changed my life, and shifted me into a new place. The question is this. Why did Jesus not get sick? He was 100% human. He was on the earth for 33 and a half years. 
He walked on the earth. He was surrounded by sickness, surrounded by leprosy, surrounded by death, surrounded by the curse. In fact, the amazing thing was he touched them. They touched him, but he touched them. Why did he not get sick? I want you to hear that sickness and disease, the curse had no legal right to come onto Jesus. The curse had no legal right. Can I tell you why? Because he had no sin. There was no open door. I want to say this to you so you catch it. He was in the world, but he was not of it. He was in it, but he was not of it. Can I ask you, when we received Christ into our life, when we placed our faith in Jesus, the finished work of Jesus, when we believed in our heart that God raised him from the dead and confessed with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, question, did we become new creatures or not? Question, was our sin forgiven and removed or not? Question, were we made the righteousness of God in him or not? Question, did we become holy in an instant or not? Question, was our sinful nature removed or not? Did we become saints or did we remain what lots of us confessed in church every week? I confess that I am sinful and unclean and not worthy. Were we made saints or not? Is it said of us as God's children that we too are in the world but not of it? Is it true as 1 John 4.17 says that as he is so are we in this world. I'll never forget a number of weeks ago, Bill Winston, he made a statement on one of his teachings and he said, we don't know how we were made. Can I tell you, we don't know what happened to us when we were born again. We need to know. And I believe that's what Jesus meant when he said, when you know the truth, that truth will set you free. I want to tell you either Psalm 91 is true or it's not true. Either the blood has washed us clean or not. Either Jesus became a curse for us or he didn't. Either Jesus disarmed the enemy so that you and I as his kids would not have to be affected, or he didn't. Either Satan is under our feet, 
or we're under his. Either you will not fear the terror of night nor the plague that destroys at midday. Is it true or not? Either a thousand will fall at my right or my left and on my right side 10,000 will fall but it will not come near me. Either that's true or it's not. Either they overcame him by the word of their testimony and by the power of the blood Either it's true or it's not true. Let me say to you, as believers, we are called to believe. As believers, we don't have to get the flu. As believers, we don't have to get the cold. As believers, we don't have to get cancer. We don't have to get Alzheimer's. We don't have to get arthritis. We don't have to get diabetes. We don't have to get corona. Could I keep going? I want to tell you again, those without faith will think this is absolutely insane. Absolute lunacy. To be able to say in this world, with all of the snakes that are biting people and the corona snake right now, to be able to make a statement and say there are those who because of their faith in Christ, because of the blood, because there is no legal right for the snake to bite us, that we will not get sick? Can I tell you why those who don't believe will think it's crazy? Because when they look at you and I as part of the world kingdom, the belief is that everyone in the world kingdom gets sick. I understand that belief. Because they're in the world kingdom and they get sick. And in the world kingdom, we would get sick too. But can I just say to you, we are not of the world kingdom. We are in it, but we are not of it. Can I tell you, there was a huge price that was paid for you and I to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. That did not happen easily. There was a huge price for that transfer. So for us to believe that we have been transferred into a new kingdom and yet still believe that all of the things of the kingdom of the world are going to impact us like we're still part of the world kingdom, we are called to believe something different. Everyone gets the flu, don't they? Or no, they don't. I got to tell you, a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, when I asked everybody in the church, who did not get the flu last year? Just stand with me. The entire church stood, other than three visitors who were in church that Sunday who remained seated. All three of them got the flu last year. But our entire church stood. Why didn't we get the flu? Why are we not going to get the flu this year? When the snake of the flu is all around us, even now, biting people, they're getting sick. Some are dying. Why are we not getting the flu? And is it wrong to say, as children of God, we don't have to get the flu? Is that wrong? Or is that kingdom of God speaking? 
Is that a child of God who knows what happened at the cross, who knows what happened to us when we got saved? A child is going, it's different in our kingdom. Can I tell you another one? Everyone gets cancer. Or they don't. Is it wrong for us to say as children of God that you and I do not need to and you and I will not get cancer? Is that wrong? Or is that theologically correct? And we are believing for our experience to come in line with theology of God's word. We are hearing out there that everyone gets bit by the snake. Can I tell you? Oh, no, they don't. They didn't then, and they aren't today. There are people out there who are saying everyone, if exposed, will get bit by corona. Can I just say to you, oh, no, we won't. We have been made holy by the blood of Christ. There is no legal right for corona to touch us like there was no legal right for corona to touch Jesus. Can I tell you one thing that you have to have faith to believe? I want you to picture that on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago, when Jesus voluntarily went to the cross, the Bible said he became sin and he took upon himself all of the curse. I want you to imagine for a moment on the cross, Jesus knew corona was coming. He took corona and he put corona on himself. Jesus let the snake of corona bite him. He took it. Why? So for those who believe, we would not have to take it. You have to have a revelation to get that. I will tell you, if religion hears that, they may react to you. But with revelation, we are able to believe it And as a man thinketh, so is he in this world. Jesus proved it. He never got bit. John G. Lake proved it. He never got bit. You and I prove it every year. When the snake of the flu comes and goes and we don't get bit, the curse cannot trespass on holiness. It couldn't on Jesus. It can't on us. We are those who lay hands on the sick. How popular is that right now? We are called to be those who lay our hands on the sick, not afraid that it's going to transfer back onto us but because we have a belief that when we lay hands, what we have transfers to them and they become healed. Do we believe that? 
We need to be grounded in the truth of who we are, of what happened to us, seeing and believing about ourselves the truth. I am holy. I am righteous. The power of the curse has no legal right to touch me. Let me tell you, in the camp of earth, I don't care how widespread these snakes go. There will be many who don't get bit. And you and I are to be among them. Would you write down number three? Would you write down many will get bit? Many will get bit. I want you to hear this. There will be some non-believers who get bit, and there will be some Christians who get bit. Why will this happen? Let me give you three things. Number one, in our fallen world, sinful nature alone gives the enemy legal right to to put the curse on people. Just being born with a sinful nature in this world, that's all the enemy needs to have legal right to put the curse on. Number two, people's individual sin can open the door for the curse to land. We've experienced it. We've seen it. Individuals can choose to sin. They open a door and it lands on them. The third one is this. Our words have the ability to open a door and for us to be affected by it. Let me quote a verse. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. I would love it if the moment we got saved that all our tongue could be used for was life. I would love that. Can I tell you my experience, and I know yours as well because I've known you long enough? I've had life spoken out of my mouth, and shortly after, I've had death spoken out of my mouth, and shortly after, I have life and I have death. It has been a tough journey learning a new language where no longer do I open my mouth for death, and I open my mouth for life only. I'm not perfect there yet. You aren't either. Believe me, my wife helps me get closer and I help her get closer. We learned a long time ago when I speak death, she goes, would you like me to agree with that death? Or when she speaks death, would you like me to agree with that? We catch each other quickly, undo it, and move back into life again. I got to tell you gently, how many times do we hear from older people who make this statement and go, well, I'm getting older, I'm losing my hearing. My memory's not so good. That's what happens when you get old. Really? That's not what I read in Scripture. I read in Scripture that the leaves remain green. The strength doesn't go away. The eyes don't go dim. That's what I've read. So either my experience is going to change theology or my theology is going to move my experience and come in line. One of the two is happening all the time. How many Christians have I already heard Oh, this past year who go, it's flu season. I'm going to get the flu. Okay, go ahead. 
Open the door. Give the enemy legal right. Use your words and give him legal right. Yes, you're a Christian, but... So are there Christians who will get bit by the corona snake? You bet there will. There are. I have no doubt around the world there are Christians who have already been bitten. I have no doubt around the world there are Christians who have probably already died. I have no doubt. Are there Christians who will get bit by the flu this year? Yes. Are there Christians who get bit by the cancer snake? Yes. Yes, they will. But let me say this. If it happens, it doesn't need to. But if it happens, we have an antidote. Isn't it interesting that Israel is pressing for an antidote? Isn't it interesting the U.S. is pressing for an antidote? Isn't it interesting that everybody's waiting? We're all waiting for the antidote. Is it possible that Scripture has said, if you get bit by a snake that will kill you, the antidote is you look to a pole that had someone hanging on it that already took the bite of the snake. They already took it. By looking to it by faith, the antidote is that you can be healed. Can I tell you, the antidote for every person who gets bit is already out there. We know that if we get sick, we can look to the pole. We look to the cross. We look to what Jesus purchased for us when he hung on the pole. We believe that when we look by faith, we will be healed. From whatever bites us. Even the bite of death, by the way. Jesus raised the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead. The disciples raised the dead. Smith Wigglesworth raised the dead. We've seen the dead raised in this church. We're going to see more. The dead are being raised around the world. Even the bite of death. I think we've read somewhere all things are possible for those who believe. Let me say very carefully, there will be Christians who get bit. But the antidote is looking to the pole. We believe in healing. We believe in healing. I look for the day when we are known as a place, when all the other churches are closed and all the other healing rooms have gone underground, that we're known as a place of people who are not afraid to lay hands on the sick because we're not afraid of it transferring back. But we're known as the people who go out and touch the sick, believing they will recover. They will recover. Number four, there will be those who look to the pole and they still die. There are Christians who get sick. They get bit by something. They pray and they pray. They have others pray. They phone the prayer chains and they still die. Why is that? Let me tell you. The enemy may have been able to rob them of some of the health while they were alive. 
And the enemy may have been able to rob them of some of the years that they were meant to live out. But he could not rob them of their eternity. There are some Christians who, when they get bit, don't have the faith, don't have the revelation, don't have the authority to look to the pole, believe it, claim it for themselves, and to walk healed. That's reality. For those who make this statement and say, at least in heaven, there's no longer suffering. Can I tell you that's true? When a believer gets sick and they pray and pray and pray and still die, when they get to heaven, the, the pain is gone. The healing takes place. The recovery is there. That is not God's plan A, but it is a plan. And let me say this to you really clearly. It's faith in Jesus to forgive our sin that qualifies us for heaven. It is not living in the fullness of health that qualifies us for heaven. Health is a covenant benefit. But it's not a requirement for salvation. So for Christians who get bit, and Christians who pray and pray and pray and still die, they're okay. Their eternity is okay. They got robbed of the small, but the big eternal life was not robbed. One last thing. I understand this and I don't. But I want to tell you what the Lord showed me. It was true back in Numbers and it's true today. There will be those who get bit that we, like Moses, are going to go to them and say, there is a pole. Just look to it. If you look to the pole, if you look to Jesus, if you look at what he's done on the cross of Calvary for you, if you look there, you can look there. If you look there and believe, you will get healed. Can I tell you, there will be those that we tell that message and they will go, I'm not looking. I'm not believing. I'm not going to look to the pole. I'm not going to put my faith in Jesus. And as a result of that, not only will some die physically, but there will be some who die eternally. I want to say it again. Moses did not say to the people, you have to look at the pole. He goes, if you get bit, you can look. Our job is not to force people. Our job is to tell people. There is a pole. There is one who hung on it. There is one who became bitten by everything you've been bitten with. And if you exercise your faith to believe, you will not die. Physically, and most importantly, eternally. There will be those in all of our lives who choose not to look at the pole. There were those in Jesus' day who chose not to believe him and look at the pole. There were those in Moses' day who chose not to look at the pole. 
I spoke to someone this past week about the poll, and they, in that moment, said, I don't believe that. I'm not looking. If I was God, I would grab their face, I would turn them toward the pole, I'd open their eyes with toothpicks and force them to look. I could do that outside, but it's the belief on the inside. I couldn't change that. Jesus couldn't, neither can we. That's not our job. Our job is to be Moses in this world. There is a pole. This past week, I had an opportunity to speak to a lady who works at a company in the United States. She was part of the mainline church, going to church every Sunday until they closed the church. I had an opportunity to say to her, I'm a senior pastor of a church, and um, I said, you got a few minutes. I want to share with you what I'm going to preach on Sunday. She goes, I'd love that. As I was telling her about all this stuff, she stops me and she goes, would you give me that verse again? She's writing them all down. She goes, when I get home, I can't wait. When I get home this afternoon, I'm going to go and look it all up. I've been praying for her ever since. This lady has gone to a mainline church forever, but she has never looked to the pole. She has never placed her faith in Jesus. She had never heard what I was telling her before. And I said to her, if we believe in Christ, we don't have to get sick. I told her how many years it had been since I have not had the flu. She, let me say it this way. She could not believe. No, no, no. She was struggling believing. But the Holy Spirit took my words, and I know she laid awake that night. I know she woke up in the morning. I know she went into the book of Numbers, chapter 21, and she read about the pole and the snake. I know she's looking and going, not everybody has to die. I want to tell you what you already know. The Bible tells us we are not to fear him who can kill the body with the virus of corona. Could you imagine if that message alone got out in the world? Don't fear the one who can kill the body. The truth is, we are to fear the one who can kill both body and soul. Every non-believer doesn't know that person yet, and because of that, they're afraid of corona and they're afraid of death. There are believers or Christians out there who are afraid of corona because they don't have a revelation yet. It is to be different with us. It can be different with us. I could stand here right now and tell you this message and I could throw up all over my podium and my clothes like Keith Moore did. My experience in front of you would not change the truth of what I have just spoken to you. All that would have to happen is that I bring my experience more into line with the truth I've just shared with you, not disqualifying the truth because Colin puked. Very quickly, let me give you in this world, what we're to do. Number one, we are to pray. Some of you were part of an all-day prayer meeting across Canada yesterday. We are to pray. Can I just say this to you? Make sure your prayer is spirit-led. If we go to God and say, God, would you take the snakes away? 
and God goes, no, they have legal right, then change your prayer. Change your prayer. Number two is we are to love. We're to love the non-believer in their fear. We're to love them in their sickness. We're to love them even when they refuse to look at the cross. We are to love the, the Christian who comes against us because we believe we're part of a different kingdom and we're not of this kingdom. We're, we're to love them. I don't care what they do. Christ hung on the cross and went, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Third one is this. We are to serve. In the midst of all of this, I'm still amazed that the Church of China rose up and served those who were dying, served the communists who put them in prison, served the ones who got infected by the snake bite. They served, they served, they served. John G. Lake, because he was covered and anointed and immune by the blood, he went and he served. If we walk in fear, we can't serve. You know what we're doing? We're hiding. We're retreating. We're looking after ourselves. We're in the defense mode. If we are free, we step out and we go, I'm here to touch. I'm here to serve. I'm here to give. Your door doesn't affect me. Your hug doesn't affect me. These hands are looking for sick. Not running from them. And the fourth one is this. We're to persist. You tell me why Jesus gave the message of the woman who knocked on the unrighteous judge's door, knocked and knocked and knocked, did not quit knocking, irritated him to the point where he eventually got up, eventually let her in, eventually met her request. Can I say to you, even though non-believers say, I want nothing to do, persist. Even though Christians come against and are, are totally opposed to covenant and revelation and kingdom, persist. Many of us wouldn't be saved today if someone only came one time shared and we rejected and went, I want nothing to do with that. If they would have went, okay. I knocked on their door once, they closed it in my face, that's it. No, can I tell you? Believers persist and persist and persist because it might not be today or tomorrow. It might be three years down the road that all of a sudden circumstances change and the door cracks and they receive the truth that you and I live in. Can you imagine if we were believers who when we shared with someone and they rejected our message, we took our tail, put it between our legs and went home and go, that didn't go well. I guess I won't do that again. No, no. When that happens, we keep our tail out. We go, I'm looking for more. And in this world of snakes, I'm going to keep looking for more who've been bit because we have the antidote. We're not waiting for it. We have it. The antidote healed and freed us. If we don't tell people, who will? Today, if you are watching online, I would like you to join us as we have communion and closing today. I told you some time ago that Jane and I this year have moved to a place where we are receiving communion at home together every day. We are receiving the body and we are declaring what the body purchased on the cross of Calvary. We are receiving the juice. We are believing what the blood of Jesus accomplished on the cross of Calvary. We believe there is power in receiving communion. 
It was Jesus who made the statement, do this until I come back. Do this. I'm giving it to you. Do this. This isn't just a simple remembrance. There is a spiritual power, a force, that you and I attach ourselves to when we receive the body and blood. I don't know... For those of you at home, you didn't hear it. This morning we had a couple of worship songs here. One of them said, talking about no longer slaves, it said, we have a different DNA. As believers, we have a different blood flowing through our veins. It's the blood of Christ. We believe that. You can't see it physically. You won't see it under a microscope. But either it's true or not. So I'll give you time at home if you can get some bread, cracker, if you can get a little bit of wine, a little bit of juice, a little bit of grape juice, whatever you got, apple juice. If you got nothing, just grab water. I'll give you a moment to go and do that. Those of you here, if you would go back and if you would grab your elements. Duncan, if we could have a little music playing quietly. I want to say thank you for joining us online. Our prayer was that the presence of God would be powerfully with you in your home this morning as you joined us. It's kind of interesting, Jane and I were talking that it's taken something like this for us to move into a place where our services come online, we live stream after all of this is finished that we'll probably continue doing that in order to be a blessing and reach even farther. If you would bow with me this morning. Father, we first want to say thank you for the incredible price that you paid sending your one and only son causing him to come to earth and live a life among us in this world but not of it and for causing him to go to the cross and for pouring out in him all the wrath all the judgment all the sin all the penalty of the curse to put it all on him so that we would not have to carry it. Jesus, how do we say thank you to you? That even the curse, even the bite of corona, you took upon yourself and you paid for it. You broke its power on the cross. That for those who believe, we would never get bit. And if we do get bit, we look to you and we receive our healing. And so today, Jesus, we confess that by your wounds, by your broken body, we have been healed. I declare this over all of those under the sound of my voice. 
that it doesn't matter what snake bite. I declare with those who are battling symptoms of the cold, those who are battling symptoms of any kind, today as we receive the broken body, we receive the healing that was purchased for us through it. As children of God, let's receive the body by faith. Let's do that now. And Jesus, I want to say thank you. All throughout the Old Testament, there were animals that gave their lives, the blood covered sin, but you, the Passover lamb, by the shedding of your blood, you did not only cover our sin, you removed it. In a moment by faith, you washed away all of our sin and you made us the righteousness of God in Christ. You made us holy in a moment. Unless you had made us holy, we could not receive the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. But his presence is an evidence of your finished work and of our holiness. And so today, believing what your shed blood did, believing that you have covered us, believing that you have forgiven all of our sin, believing that by your blood, the curse cannot. We receive it today by faith, saying thank you that by your blood, we have been made clean. We receive it by faith. Let's do that now. Would you receive the blessing of the Lord? May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which you have now received, may it strengthen you. May it keep you. May it remind you of the finished work on the cross of Calvary for those who believe. I encourage you again, especially in these days, I encourage you daily. If you are single in your home to receive the body and blood, if you are married for the two of you to come together, if you have children to bring your family together every day, to partake of the body and partake of the blood and confess again the finished work. I declare to you today what you already know, that the Lord has blessed you and he's keeping you. The Lord has caused his face to shine on you and he has been gracious to you. The Lord has lifted up his countenance upon you and in these days he has filled you with his peace. I declare that in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everybody receiving said, Amen. Those of you online, God bless you. Thank you again for joining us. Look forward to hearing your feedback this week. For those of you few here this morning, thank you for coming out, carving out this time for us to do this. God bless you. Any questions with anything today, don't hesitate to phone me, email, contact, text, whatever. But um, God bless you again. Thank you for being a part of this. Have a good week. Bye-bye.